Today's scripture reading comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15, verses 1 through 3 and 11 through 32. First, let us pray. As we prepare to hear your word, O God, quiet in us any and all distractions. Open our ears to hear this ancient story. Open our minds to consider it anew. Open our hearts to live out its truth. Amen. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So Jesus told them this parable. There was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. So he divided his property between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant country, and there he squandered his property in dissolute living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have bread enough and to spare? But here I am dying of hunger. I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father. But while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. Then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly bring out a robe, that's one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet, and get the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his elder son was in the field, and when he came home and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the slaves and asked what was going on. He replied, Your brother has because he has got back safe and sound. Then he became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him, but he answered his father, Listen, for all these years I have been working like a slave for you, and I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you have never given me even a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours comes back, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. Then the father said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. 
Well, some of you have noticed a couple of weeks ago, I took the plantation shutters off the windows in my office. I packed them up and I stored them away carefully. Don't worry if someone ever wants to put them back up. They are perfectly serviceable. But I took them down because even opened as wide as they could go, they still blocked so much light. I saw more of the shutters than I saw of the outside. And it wasn't until I had taken the first panel down that I fully realized how close to my windows the azaleas are. I had just been looking for light, but beautiful blooms flooded in with it. And now many people, when they come to my office, they can't help but notice the bursts of bright pink pressed against the panes and the green leaves offsetting it. And right now, today, actually white flowers on another tree. It's magnificent, and almost no one can resist commenting on it. Now, it's the exact same view that it's always been. My office didn't move, and we didn't add new landscaping. We're just suddenly able to see it in a different way. This week, I couldn't help but think of a woman named Nancy. She was a member at one of my previous churches, and Nancy always arrived early enough to get her seat and for me to greet her before the service. Every time, without fail, that there was any mention of this parable in the worship bulletin, I would get an earful before we even started, to say nothing of what I would hear after. To say that Nancy hated this story is a charitable interpretation. (laughs) And her complaint with it is probably the most common. Nancy could not get past what she called the injustice perpetrated upon the older brother. Absolutely nothing in this story, she said, makes me want to be a good person. You might as well be the younger brother. He has more fun, and he's happier in the end, too. You will not be surprised to learn that Nancy was an oldest child. But when I say that her trouble with this story is perhaps the most common, well, I can only say that about where we live. Mark Allen Powell is a scholar of the New Testament. He has literally written textbooks on the subject, and he has read this story with students all over the world. And he says that when his students are asked to retell this story from memory, you see the the difference in where they live. Americans universally talk about the younger son's squandering of the inheritance, and they emphasize what must have been irresponsible behavior. In Russia, though, only a fraction of students mention that. They almost universally talk about the famine, and they linger there. And in East Africa, to a person, his students were the most disturbed by the fact that no one gave the younger son anything when he was hungry. They could not imagine how that could possibly be true. And both of these details 
are things I honestly never paid much attention to. But they are there in verses 14 through 16. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout that country, and he began to be in need. So he went out and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Reading this parable with different people changes what we notice. It's still the same story, none of the verses omitted or edited. We're just suddenly able to see it in a different way. Something like the azaleas outside my window. At Shandon, we've been taking a different approach to Lent this year. A gentle approach, we've called it, with space to breathe in the midst of an unrelenting season of life. First, we talked about resisting. Remembering Jesus resisting temptation in the wilderness, we are called to resist the temptation to define ourselves by anything other than our status as beloved by God. And then we talked about trusting, remembering Abraham having as many ancestors as there are stars in the sky. We can trust that even if we sometimes struggle to have faith in God, God always has faith in us. And last week we talked about resting. You talked about resting, I actually rested. And we remembered the parallel of the fig tree that produced absolutely nothing and yet was still cared for. In that story, we are invited to rest in the reality that none of us is called to shoulder the weight of the entire world all the time. And this week, with a familiar old story about a man who has two sons, well, I hope we will allow ourselves to reconsider it anew to suspend what we've always thought about it or feared about it or heard in it, to be surprised by what might emerge if we give it another chance. After all parables, they always have more than one meaning. They always have more than one understanding. So there was a man who had two sons One day, the younger said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. And the father saw the spark in his son's eye, and he heard the eagerness in his son's voice, and he remembered the thirst for adventure that once dwelled in his heart, too. So the father set about the business of dividing his assets, converting half of it into coins and packing those coins into a knapsack, a knapsack he pressed into his younger son's arms as he pulled him in for one last embrace. And he watched as his younger son set off, grateful, not for the first time and not for the last time, that he had two sons. Half of his heart traveled to a different country, while the other half continued to wake early and work in the fields and sit down to supper. 
They no longer set four places at the table, but the wife continued to cook for four hungry appetites, just in case, she said. And from time to time, that would prove to be a holy thing, because sometimes weary travelers would make their way down the dirt path, hungry for anything they might have to spare. Sit down, the mother would say. We have plenty. And more often than not, they would eat their fill and be sent off with extra bread to keep them going. Just in case, the mother said. Meanwhile, the younger son, he continued to travel down new roads and meet new people, some of them who even spoke new languages. Awed by lands and lives different from his own, he was eager to experience all of it. And so as he traveled, he bought food from as many vendors as his stomach would allow. And he paid school children to show him the best trees to climb to get the best view of the city. And he sought out the coolest shade to rest in. Later in the season, night air whipped over the desert sand and it brought a chill with it. He gave his coat to a beggar on the side of the road because he knew he could afford a new one. One day he saw builders working out in the heat, and the next day he talked to their foreman. When they took a break for lunch, they found that that younger son had set a feast for them with fruit and meat and wine beyond what any of them had brought from home. He gave children handfuls of coins to take home to their parents, and he left at least twice the fare that any innkeeper ever charged him. Traveling, he rarely denied himself anything, but the same was true for all those around him. And so it came to pass that one day he noticed that knapsack had only a few coins left. Famine began to spread over that country. He realized the seriousness of his situation and unsure of what else to do. He remembered in a new way everything he had left behind. He turned and he headed for home. It was a journey of many days. The azalea bushes outside his family's home were blooming. The father got in the habit of plucking one off the stem each morning and bringing it to his wife before heading out into the fields. And so it was early one day, before the sun was fully in the sky, that he stood at the window considering the azaleas. He took a moment to look up. He said a word of thanks to the God of Abraham and Sarah, the God of Isaac and Jacob. And that's when he saw a figure far off in the distance. It was too far for his eyes to recognize but the heart's vision knows no bounds. My son, he cried, and he set off running. The music was more than you could imagine. Everyone from every household who knew how to play anything came and joined the band. 
The dancing began since the father waltzed through the door with his younger son, surprising the mother who burst into tears, grabbed him by the shoulders and hugged him, absolutely refusing to let go until she began to plan the menu. There would be goat and cow, apples and oranges, bread and oil, spices and mango, and more wine than a wedding feast. And the elder brother, hearing all the commotion, he came in from the field. He felt the beat of the drums in his body before he saw his brother. And when he saw him, his anger surprised even him. Before he could think better of it, he found his father, and he asked his father how and why and what about him, what about all the work he had done for so many years. And the father, who once recognized the spark in his younger son's eyes, he now heard the woundedness in his older son's voice. And he saw the jaw clenched to hold back tears. And he saw the hands splayed to keep them from turning into fists. And he remembered how much he had wanted his father's approval how hard he had worked to earn it too. So the father, who once embraced his younger son and sent him on his way, he now embraced his older son and steered him toward the house. He pulled an azalea off the branches as they walked past, and he tucked it in his older son's pocket. All of this will be yours, the father told his son, but come, these musicians, they will only be here a little bit longer. So join the dance, I beg you. Do not miss out on this chance to celebrate. Do not miss out on this chance to celebrate and rejoice. So here is what I know. We could read this story, and we could count up the younger son's sins and compare them to the older son's merits. We could measure the older son's works righteousness and dock him a few points because of it. We could assess the father's decisions and tally up his mistakes versus his embraces. We could take the amount of the inheritance and divide it by the number of years the younger son was gone and pull all of you to see who might do better. Or in a similar way, we could count up all of the questions we have and compare it to the number of answers we have. We could measure the number of days we get things right and subtract the number of days we get things wrong. We could assess this congregation's faithfulness by tallying up our attendance and comparing it to the Methodists and Catholics down the street. We could take the number of prayers we each say and multiply that by the number of sins we each commit and add that to the square root of our intentions and see where it all falls out. We could. We could absolutely do all of those things. I just don't think it's the point of this life or this story. I think the point is this. 
when you're at the party, when you are at the heavenly feast that is spread as far as your eyes can see, when you are at that party and you hear the music start, I promise you, dance steps are the only things worth counting. Pray with me. Gracious God, we believe. Help our unbelief. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.